everyone, I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. So welcome everyone, Larissa Russell from Creative You and back on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today I have with me Leonie Dawson. So excited! Leonie is a teacher, mentor, and inspirer, helping highly sensitive oddballs just like her and a little bit like me discover their big glorious dreams, feel less alone, and change the world. She is world-renowned for her internationally best-selling Create Your Shining Year workbooks, which I've had for years, which have been helping women create the vision and map out the plan of the dream lives for over 10 years now. Leonie generated over $7 million in revenue, all while working part-time hours, being a hippie weirdo, and spending lots of time enjoying life with her two daughters and husband in the most beautiful parts of Australia. So welcome, Leonie. Oh, thank you, Larissa. That's such a joy. And I totally need to update my website because we're now at $10 million in revenue. But what's a few, oh. number, you know, it's only <laughs> the smallest. Million. Yeah, what's a few million between friends? <laughs> That's right. I want to get to that point where, yeah, I need to update my website. <laughs> yeah, yes. Three million's coming, so what? That's right. I like that. So can you share some of your story and, and what's brought you on this path? Sure. Um, you know, for me, I, I've always been just a wildly creative kid. I didn't think I could ever turn that into a job though my parents are farmers and they were very clear about um that ever not being like you know creative careers not being an option and being an absolutely terrible money decision um and also you know they definitely warned me off having businesses as well because they just repeat over and over you know uh 95 of businesses fail in the first five years so that's out of the picture too. And so you can't have a creative career. You can't have a business, you know, so all that's really left is office jobs. Like that's, you know, you just have to do the sensible thing. Uh, and they also would say that it's not worth earning over $75,000 because then you're going into like the higher tax threshold and it's just not worth it. Um, and so I love that that's the three you know, career and money lessons I got from my parents. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Um, and I love that I've completely ignored that and discovered that one, I can have a creative career and it can make a lot of money. And two, you can have a really successful business that doesn't doesn't fail. And three, it's amazing to earn in the higher tax bracket. It really is. Like it is so worth it. <laughs> Yeah, you can forget about those, you know, $3 million. It's <laughs> like, oh, that's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's so awesome. It's funny what we learn from our parents that we definitely keep with us, right? And we have to unpack those stories and, and create new ones. 
Yeah. And for me, it was when I, you know, I really wanted to have that creative career. And I remember setting a goal of, you know, how much I wanted to earn from making art and doing soulful things. Um, and looking at the numbers and thinking, I just don't know how I'm going to make that happen. I don't even know how to sell that amount in order to be able to earn that amount. And I think when you hit that point, most people tend to go, oh, well, I'll just, it's too hard, so I'll give up. Um, but I'm really grateful to my brain, which said, well, I don't know how to do that now, but I'm sure other people have already worked it out. I'm sure they've figured out kind of the keys to success. And all I need to do is learn what they need to, what, what, what they've learned, and um, then I'll know how to do it too. And so realizing that everything's learnable and that none of us are born with a business and, and marketing knowledge to share our creativity with the world made such a massive difference. And so I became a student for, for business and marketing then so that I could have a vehicle to share with my, my creativity with the world. Mm -hmm. And it's so true because as an entrepreneur, there is so much to learn right? And even yeah. if you had gone to university, say, for a business degree, because yeah. <laughs> you know, I did do that for a little while before I went, oh, no, I can't, I can't do this <laughs> and switch to psychology. But, <laughs> you know, even if you have that background, being an entrepreneur is completely different. Completely. And I've hired people who've done like their MBAs and stuff and like hot tip, they're shit at business. Like, <laughs> Like, I'm sure some of them are great, but there's nothing like actually just on the ground experience and knowledge and testing what works and testing what doesn't and um, having that real grounded knowledge of like, oh, I get it. This is how it works for my business, my target market, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so what does healing with creativity mean to you? Well, anytime you create, you get to heal. And I so deeply believe that like all of our creations, they're kind of like divine assignments from the angels and they need to, to be out in the world or expressed in some way, even if nobody else sees them. And, you know, if you put them out to the world, they are going to help and heal so many other people. But first and foremost, it will heal the hands that it moves through. And so, it's it, the hands, your hands are the one that's, that the creativity moves through. And so you get the most profound healing from that. So anytime I've done a piece of artwork or written a book or, or created anything, um, there's such a, a huge blessing and a gift to my, to my soul and to my evolution. I literally grow more into myself with each creative act and it's a miracle i don't know why we're not all like doing it all the time <laughs> i couldn't agree more i think that the school systems have definitely done a disservice by grading creativity you know yeah and so that i think has really done a disservice to our creative you know what we could be doing with creativity Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, my year 11 English teacher um, grading one of my, like my personal essays and um, giving me a, a, a mark that was 
totally unwarranted. And but her comment was, "This is too personal, and your your language is too flowery." And to me, and like I guess I, I've always had quite a strong sense of who I am, and I thought you are dead on wrong. Me being personal is is the best bit of my writing and my flowery language is exquisite and I'm not going to change any of that shit for anybody and just because you're you're failing to see the gift of it doesn't mean that I'm going to change who I am so um, I'm grateful that you know anytime I did get like a little bit of like mm, no I was like Ah, 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 you are incorrect. You are gravely mistaken. Like, this is the stuff that makes me magnificent. Yeah, I love that. I love that because most, most of us, when we hear a negative comment like that, it's like, oh, they must be right. I don't have, right? And so then we just stop on our tracks and, and don't continue. Yeah. yeah so, everyone's, like, so my old mate, uh, Mr. P would say to me, Leone, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. And um, it doesn't mean that they're right. And it doesn't mean that they're wrong. But, you know, just realizing like everyone's allowed to blah, 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 whatever. Um, but you get to keep your sacred gift for yourself and protect it from, you know, the asshole opinions. I like that. Protect yourself from the asshole opinions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my new tagline. <laughs> Completely. And I mean, here's the thing, like I'm still ridiculously personal. I still make up ridiculously flowery language with what I write. And some people absolutely adore that. It resonates with them deeply. And for some people, it like, it totally turns them off. And I'm completely fine with that. One, I do it for me. I do it because it amuses me first and foremost. And also I write for the people that it's going to thrill as well. Um, it's not going to thrill everybody and it doesn't need to. If I was trying to like make everyone happy, it would just be so bland and dull and all the magic would be out of it. And I don't think anyone would love it then. That would just, you know, everyone would hate it a little bit less. But that doesn't, that doesn't make it exquisite. That doesn't make it magnificent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so true that the more we try to please everyone, the less we actually please anyone. Mm. Right? Because yeah. it, yeah, because you're never going to please everyone. Never yeah. Gonna. So true. So is there a driving force that inspires you? Yeah, I want, I want everyone to remember how lovable they are and how exquisite they are and how magical this world can be. And I don't know when we lost that memory, but for whatever reason, I haven't really lost it. And so I just want to remind people again and again that they're deeply lovable and they're magnificent and they are filled with miracles. And the same is true of this world. I love that one because it's so true. We need to be reminded of that. I feel like by six or seven, we've lost that now. Like I look at my grandkids and I think, wow, like already they're worrying about so many things and the anxiety and, you know, all of this. And it's just like, you just stop thinking about how great life is or how wonderful you are and things like that. And it's really sad no matter how yeah. hard we work to, to keep that with them. Yeah. And I mean, I, I do think there's a certain gift in being neuroatypical. 
um, because sometimes it means that our brain doesn't take on the the like the programming and conditioning because we realize that it's just no that's not that's wrong so I shan't <laughs> I'll just I'll keep I'll keep this this microcosm of a of a glorious world inside me yeah yeah and it's so true and it's different like also being on the spectrum I you know there's certain things that I'm like no that, that doesn't work for me unfortunately it's not the lovable part that one I have had to rebuild but <laughs> There's lots of, I'm a, I'm a great rule follower until it doesn't make sense to me. And then it's like, no, that rule doesn't apply. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm exactly the same way. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I will, I will a plus the shit out of this. I will be number one. Oh, hang on. No, that, no, that, that rule's inappropriate. So I will, I will bash it down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's so true. So would you say that you have a past pain that's informed your life purpose then? Not, not really. I don't feel like I create mass, like at its essence, I don't think I've created, I, I create out of pain. Um, I create more out of that love and joy. I'm absolutely happy to share about my pains though. And I've absolutely used my pain to create, um, certain pieces so when i've gone through postnatal depression or a major depressive episode or you know grief and loss and uh having a a chronic ill pregnancy it's all turned into you know articles and zines and creations and sharings and um i love being able to share those those difficult times as well but i wouldn't say that it's my purpose to to share pain my purpose is just to create and create from all of the experience of life the the gloriousness and the difficulty i love that i love that because often we come from a place of pain and overcoming that to be able to share that right so so just coming from a place of love right from the start i think has to be so much easier than starting in a place of pain and trying to overcome that and then being able to work with people. Cause that's what I do. I work with people who are in pain places because I've been there. I've been in those pain places. And so I can, I can see it and I can help you through it. And, and that's, that's wonderful, but to have come from a lesser pain place and still be able to share joy and, and help people is, that's got to be amazing. I can I can only imagine it. <laughs> I mean, I, I've had like significant like traumas and losses and stuff like that. I just don't feel like it necessarily defines me or my purpose because it's always just been like create, 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 share, share, share. And it will like capture the whole rainbow of life experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wonderful. It's wonderful. So what would you say for yourself is your favorite creative healing modality? For me, I think it is um, my art journal. It's the thing that I go back to over and over again. I got given an art journal when I was at boarding school by our art teacher. And he, go, he gave everyone. And they were just kind of these, these A4 blank paged um, black hardcover books. And, um, you know, and he was like, put your inspiration in there, like put, you know, your scribblings, put everything, you know, that's kind of like your artist's little, little hive of its own. And 
um, it became such an addictive practice for me. And I would like create madly in my, my, my art journal. And then um, I was living in a dormitory with 20 other girls and I would send my journal around the dorm for everyone to read and look through and stuff like that, because that create and share compulsion was so strong in me. And um, it became this really fun practice because then, you know, other girls would do their journals and then send it around the dorm. And it was, it was so exquisite. It was so creative and fun. And I feel like blogging and, you know, when I originally started with blogging and then just sharing online, it's that same compulsion of like, I make stuff and then I share it with the world. I share my diary with the world with words, and art, collage, photography and all the things. And so I still have those exact same journals. I buy the same journals that I've used now for 20, 22 years. And um, every, every weekend at least I'm creating in there and it's just a, like a room of my own. It's a place for me to, to be and to think and to create and nobody else necessarily will see it because I'm not in a dorm anymore, <laughs> but it's, it's something that I do for me and it, I get to track my life and what, I'm thinking about for, you know, 22 years now, it's a, an incredible thing. It would be an amazing uh, journey to go through those journals and, and, and see that, right. And see all the things that you've been through all those years. Yeah. And also to see how nothing changes as well. Like how I'm ex still exactly the same and how my handwriting is still the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> I look back, I can always tell that's mine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And the creative compulsion and um, the intensity and the emotionality. It's just, it's beautiful to look back and go, oh, that's right. Like all this time I've been like that. <laughs> I'd have to say for me, I mean, art journaling's in the last few years, I've, I've picked it up and put it down, picked it up and put it down. And now it's, it's kind of a regular practice. Um, Cause it, for me, it's like, just that little piece. I don't have to bring out a whole canvas and set everything up. I can just work on one piece and I can just try different things and I can explore and, and just create for the sake of creating. And yeah. so I love that, right. About the art journal. And I do a weekly create with me. Um, so it's just like anyone can show up on zoom and we do a whatever it, it, it's not a class. It's whatever I'm working on. And usually I'm learning something new and I just open my art journal and it's like, well, let's see how this works. And, you know, <laughs> I love that. That is so great. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Cause you know, people, we learn from each other. We, you know, we have great conversations about creativity and, and the different things that we're doing and it's just fun. Right. And it allows me that time where I can actually be like, okay, this is actual just creating time right? Just for, for the sake of creating. So yeah, it's really I fun. love that. I yeah. love that. It's, I think it's so important. And that's, that's what I do is the healing that work that I do with ladies uh, is all around creativity, right? Unlocking those blocks with the use of creativity. So I think it, it really, it, it's my passion. It's my passion, right? So uh, absolutely. That's exquisite. Thank you. So what would you say is your greatest accomplishment to date? 
continuing to be Leone? That's a good one. <laughs> I mean, I'm wildly proud of, you know, being with my husband for 20 years. Um, I'm wildly proud of having um, two kids that are, you know, happy and secure and connected um, and of making a, a really gentle, happy family life together. That, that feels massively successful. But I, at its heart, I think I just, I'm so glad that I've just kept up with being all of me throughout all of it. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that authentic self that so many people strive for because they've lost themselves in this shuffle of day-to-day -day life. And, and for you to be able to keep that through your, you know, through your 20 years of exploring life as an adult is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it, I, I wish that it, it wouldn't have to be an accomplishment. You know what I mean? I, it, I wish that it would just be more of just a, of course you would be all of yourself. Um, but still, Rage Against the Machine, keeping you. <laughs> Giving me all these new taglines today for my... Yeah. <laughs> so if you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would that be? I always like talking about the motherfucking zebras. So a zebra is out in the paddock and it is not wondering you know like oh god if only this this stripe of mine would change a little bit be a little bit thinner and you know look a little bit different then then finally i would be worthy then finally i would be lovable um no like a zebra is just like parading around the fucking paddock going yes a motherfucking zebra i eat the grass i enjoy the sun like look at me live my life and I think the same is true for every animal. You know, they're just like eating their grass, enjoying the sun, enjoying their motherfucking life. They're not like caught up in this obsession about how they should be different from any, from what they are. They accept the divine magnificent gift of their own life and of being who they are. And humans are animals. So why the fuck would we be any different? And the very fact that, you know, mediocre middle-aged white men, they're not really dealing with much like imposter syndrome, are they? They're not really thinking about how they need to be different. So if we are spending any time thinking we should be any different from how we are, like that's, that's not a natural thing. That is absolutely um, a man-made construct, a symbol of patriarchy and white supremacy. And we need to smash that shit down because our absolute divine birthright is to love and adore the gift that we are and the gift of our own life and the gift of how this constellation of ourselves is made up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it's so true, right? I, because I mostly work with women. Well, I really only work with women. <laughs> it's like mostly. No, it's more than mostly. It's yes, all. Same. <laughs> and we same. talk about that a lot, right? We talk about the fact that culture creates us with, with the expectations. And it's like, but that, that's not the norm everywhere, right? That's the norm that we were born into. But that doesn't mean that we have to abide by that. It doesn't mean that it's the rules forever. And we're seeing that change now. 
starting to see that change now, mm. right? It's, it's still a long journey and you look back to, you know, even what, 50 years ago, the 70s when, when things were, you know, and it's like, okay, we're still fighting that fight and we're still, <laughs> but, but we keep moving forward and it's a little bit more and it's a little bit more. And the more people that stand up, you know, and I think we see that with the Black Lives Matter right now. It's like, yeah, we've been saying this for hundreds of years, but now we seem to have some traction and people are starting to get it. People are starting to get it. And, and so the more we can, we can do that, the further forward we can move together. And that's so important. Yeah. And making, you know, I think it's so important for us to, you know, when we're feminists, we absolutely have to make intersectional feminism a part of our practice. You know, we have to, um, regard ourselves as you know see all of us not just you know the white straight woman experience and wanting them to rise you want everybody to be lifted by this experience my kids and i have been watching a an australian show called further back in time for dinner and it's a phenomenal show it started in the uk and basically they get a family and they um they remodel their house and take them back through different decades in history. And um, we were watching um, the 1900s decade last night and they were talking about how women finally got the vote in Australia and they were the first, we were the first country in the world where women got the vote and could start, you know, standing for parliament. Like it was such a massive win for the suffragette movement. However, it only applied to white women and um, Aboriginal women didn't receive the, the right to vote for another 60 years, no. 60 motherfucking years. How on earth did we think that that was okay? How on mm. earth did we think that was a win for humanity when it left behind you know, this huge part of our population. So, you know, and they were talking about how it's such a win for women to be represented, but it was only a win for white women to be represented. And the fact of it is, is that black indigenous people of color and um, LGBTQIA plus um, people are still not being represented and still not um, being able to see themselves in the media or see their voice heard um, through through politics. There's so much more that we need to do. And um, I don't think we get to, to rest on our laurels about it at all. No, and that's exactly it. We can't stop, right? Now that we have started to get a little bit of traction, yeah. we need to just keep going. And as a white woman, I feel that I really need to lend my voice to that because yeah, I have absolutely. privilege, even though I am a woman and even though I belong to the LGBT plus community, I don't do the whole alphabet soup. I just stop at plus, but you know, I do belong to that community. And um, so, but I still have privilege mm. as a white person in a first world country. I have a lot of privilege. And so I need to use my voice to help. I need to, if nothing else, get out of the way or move other people out of the way so yeah. that the people who need their voice heard can be heard. Right. Amen. I don't have to talk Amen. for them. I don't have to, that, that's not what I should be doing, but I, I need to use my voice to make room. Right. Yeah. And so that's Amen. really important. Really important. Yeah. 
bless you. Thank you for, for having this discussion on your podcast. I think it's so important. I, I think it is really important that, um, and I talk, you know, a fair bit about my belief systems and, and why I, well, and who I am and, you know, that sort of thing all throughout everything that I do. I, I, I'm not willing to hide. I grew up in a family because my mother was gay and back in the seventies, that was not okay. And mm. so, you know, uh, being a teenager in the seventies and, and having a gay mother and having to hide, we hid for so long. And I ended up on the streets at 14 because oh it just was unbearable. Right. And so I've just always been loud. I've always been like, no, this isn't right. We're going to make change. We're going to do something. And so um, it took me until my late forties to come out myself because I was so um, uh, rebellious, I guess, of my mother and all of those things. Um, and it wasn't until after she died and then I had a husband that died and uh, I was finally like, you know what? I, I don't have sexual identity issues. I have mother issues and I need to deal with that. And yeah. so started to do that and was able to to come out myself. And now I have a, a not-for-profit where we lend our voice to the LGBT community, uh, giving them a platform because the uh, suicide rate of LGBT youth is eight times higher than the average youth. And, you know, that's just unacceptable mm. because they're, because they're different. Really, mm. are they? They're just kids. They're just people who want to be loved. And, you know, and it's just so unacceptable to me that you know, that we let this happen in our culture. It's yeah, absolutely. The, I, um, the area where I grew up, my small hometown is quite conservative and has a very conservative um, member for parliament. And so um, he's now blocked me on social media because he doesn't appreciate my feedback. Um, but at one point he was saying some just such homophobic things and that area has such a high teen suicide rate for LGBTQ plus um, teens. And I just, I, so I started my practice of revenge donating then. And so that's where I donate um, in people's name that have really pissed me off to charities that um, are kind of negating the work that they're doing. So um, <laughs> the minister George Christensen got a thousand dollars donated to the um, the you know kind of the LGBTQ plus teen organisation here in Queensland to try and negate, and then I you know sent in the receipt and was like you know I, I made it in your name. Thanks so much for the inspiration. Keep up the good work, so I can keep on keep on on, mate. And so like it's a very scorpionic thing, I think, to revenge donate. Like it's I like love the idea though. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when people piss me off, I revenge donate in their names. I have to remember that one. That's a very good one. I I, I am I'm very outspoken. I and being a Canadian, I have very little reason to go to the States, for instance. And then since the pumpkin king was elected, I have chosen not to visit the States as an outspoken mm. gay woman. I don't feel that's a safe thing to do. No. And, but I've been, you know, there's been many opportunities I've missed because of it, because of course they're the hub of the world or, or so they think, but you know, it, <laughs> it that's my stand, right? Yeah. I have not spend one single dollar 
in a country that would elect somebody like that. And yeah. that, that's not the only country, but you know, I'm not, I choose where to spend my money, but revenge Absolutely. donating might be my new thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh, it's a, it's very fun. Uh, and I think I, I told somebody about the revenge donating and they said that it absolutely is a tradition that's kept alive in America as well, because um, when Mike Pence made a whole bunch of attacks against Planned Parenthood, uh, people donated in his name to Planned Parenthood. <laughs> oh God, it just makes me laugh. I just think, yes, cop that, cop that. My new favorite thing, revenge donating. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a member of my, my family pass away who was a very problematic figure. Um, and so I thought, oh, what am I going to do with, with this, this loss? But it's less of a loss and more sort of slightly relief. Um, and so I, you know, set up a, a grant in their name and donated it to charity. So they absolutely would have hated, just absolutely hated. And I told my husband what I'd done and where I donated it to. And we just cried with laughter in the kitchen. We did. We just, it really cheered us up. <laughs> what a great way to get through a family grief. <laughs> I know. I know. It's very I savage. <laughs> oh, I love that idea. I love <laughs> Okay, so back to the few questions I have left. Yes. <laughs> that's I mean, you love, like way we went on, I love that. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that that's where this is going to go today, but that's exactly where we went. I love it. I love it. Um, so what uh, inspirational advice was, would you give to someone who is struggling? That whatever creative ideas you have inside you, they're there to, to heal you. And also, like, if you struggle with, like, being creatively blocked or, you know, feeling like it's not good enough, um, I just, one, remember that it's like a construct of capitalism, white supremacy and the patriarchy and what we, the only appropriate thing to do with that is just smash it all up. Um, and two, consider your creations like you would consider having your own child. So um, I've had someone ask me, you know, what's your, what's your favorite creation and what's your least favorite creation? And I said to them, it, that feels like asking me about, you know, what's, which child of mine is flawed. Like my children have arrived in the world and they are absolutely who they are and that's magnificent and that's beautiful and um you know they've got their strengths and their weaknesses or whatever um but it's just a part of who they are and that's exquisite and the same is true for my creations as they come into the world and they 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 look they feel they sound different ways and all i really need to do is trust that they're here for a reason and honor the divine gifts that they are. Um, I think one part of my childhood that really kind of informed my worldview is my eldest brother was born with cerebral palsy. Um, consequently, my mom and two sisters became disability support workers. And um, between my mom doing disability support work and my brother's friends, we had a very, um, diverse cast of friends in our family and um you know with all kinds of disabilities and abilities and they were the most 
magnificent teachers you could ever ask for, like the funniest motherfuckers on the planet. And um, they taught me how to love and how to be present and how to be joyful and all that stuff. So even when there are, you know, like bodies that are different, right? There is still just wild and amazing gifts in that and such a miracle and such a blessing. And so the same is true for my artworks and for my creations. They're all going to be different and have different abilities and there is some kind of magnificence in them anyway. And so my job is just to love them. You know, and just to be grateful that they came here into the world. I don't have to judge them. I don't have to like wonder if they're good enough and what will other people think? Who gives a fuck? What's most important is that I created it and I enjoyed that process. That's that's the divine experience. Everything else is just a bullshit construct. I love that. And it's something I talk about all the time. Uh, I call it the dreaded P process. It's about the process and not the finished product, right? And yeah. so it's, it's so true. It's so true. Just love what you're doing. Just love what you're doing. Yeah. That's how it's meant to be. And anything else, like, that's not how, like, God, all that is intended. Like, creativity is meant to be a divine gift. And it's meant to be glorious amounts of fun. Um, so if you're getting, like, wrapped up in all those other thoughts, that's just rubbish. You can just go like, eh, piss right off. Like what I'm, how this is meant to feel is this instead. Would you say there's an inspirational quote that sums up your life journey? Yes. Um, I would say it's joy is an option. With caveat, sometimes things are truly motherfucking shit. Sometimes things suck massive balls. Um, and we can, allow for that and allow the grace of it to move through our life and eventually joy becomes an option again yeah i love that but always come back to joy always come back to joy <laughs> yeah if you can yeah. just keep on making your way home to north star yes yeah well yeah, I, I want to thank you so much for, for, for doing this with me today and, and, and meeting with me today. And if you have a couple more minutes, I just have a few other little things that I would love to discuss with you. Of course. So you, uh, <laughs> not that I really gave you a choice. I'm just going to keep talking and you will be able to say no. <laughs> so, um, you've talked often about uh, having Asperger's. And as someone who has, I was diagnosed at 50 with Asperger's. Wow. And so it sort of made my whole life make, make sense to find that out. Um, and so there's been so many things. And so being on the spectrum, because I've done a lot of research on it to sort of figure out what's, what's sort of a, um, what's something I need to work on and what's just part of who I am, right? Mm. Because it's like, sometimes you're not too sure. And so being also on the spectrum, have you noticed that there's things that you maybe have have struggled with trying to, I don't know, fix about yourself if that's, or that you've tried to work on, I'm always working on myself, that it's just part of who you are and you can't do that? Or what are your thoughts so, on that? Yeah. So first of all, I haven't been formally diagnosed yet. I've got my assessment in 
a few months time because um, there's quite a long wait list because hot tip everyone's Asperger's now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so um, it's, a cool thing it's, a new, it's, it's a great way to be like hot tip it's amazing so fingers crossed i really want um but also you know if it ends up being some other kind of neuro atypicalness that will be fascinating too but i do think it's pretty fucking clear that i'm on the like it's it's probably the asperger's there um <laughs> So for me, a big part of it is the um, the overstimulation aspect in that it doesn't take much for me to get overstimulated. And what it means is that um, it feels like I see things in Technicolor, you know, just with a little bit higher level definition and a lot more color. And so consequently, I see beauty and get excited by things long before anybody else does i am like in a rapturous moment over a tree and a fucking bird um and um everybody else is like great it's a tree and a bird um but you know so i'll be having just this complete like exquisite experience and then i'm tired you know, I'm like, there's only so a certain level of like, wow, 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 that I can cope with. Uh, and that becomes particularly pronounced in social situations is that, you know, I'm listening so hard and trying to make sure that I've got the right face and the right listening and, you know, be there, be an attentive friend and say the right thing. Um, and it's such a massive mental load because it's not something that feels like it comes super easily to me. Um, so I can, I can't book in much stuff into my week. Um, and I really have to allow a lot of downtime after, especially like big social stuff. So for example, if I was going to go to for a conference for a couple of days, that will probably take me six weeks to recover from. Um, and it's just that my brain has got a lot to go through and to process and to then, you know, work out what lessons it wants to keep and what memories it wants to keep and then assign it into all the different little spots. It's just the computer is in overdrive. It's taken a lot of stuff in high definition and it needs to be able to process it into the relevant parts of the brain. Um, and like I've always been kind of in awe of people who can have like back-to-back -back stuff and you know be like okay so I go from work to this to that and then we're going out afterwards and then we wake up and we do it all again tomorrow I'm like what Ew. it's like enough for my one week or you know one month um and really just having to be okay with this is how I'm built and um, I, I can't really change that. I've had a naturopath say that they could potentially give me some magic fucking bushflower drops or some shit to stop that. And I don't know if I want to stop that. I don't know if I want to like stop feeling and seeing things so deeply and such high definition because I feel like that's where a lot of my magic comes from as well and the greatest joys in my life. So I don't, if you gave me the option between being 
neurodiverse or not, I'm going to always take the neurodiverse. It's fucking magnificent. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've been um, compared to Sheldon from uh, the Big Bang Theory. I've been compared to Sheldon a lot. And so, and yet I have this other side that can be really social and, and all of that. And I didn't realize how much work that was for me. Mm. I didn't realize how much effort I was having to put in to fit in and make that work, right? And so once I finally had that diagnosis, because there's a lot of things going on at the time, it was like, oh, oh, okay, so now I don't have to do that because I understand it. Once you have sort of an understanding, um, because I know I've talked to people about labels and some people really dislike them and I find them really helpful. I find Mm. them really helpful for me to start sort of figuring it out, right? What belongs to this? What belongs to this? Do I need to do this or can I just be go, you know what? Uh, I'm on the spectrum and that doesn't work for me. (laughs) I now have an for some things, right? I have an out and it's like, so that's been really important for me. And I've really made a huge shift with that and yeah, stop trying so hard. Right. And also like, I just like, I, I think that the world moves too quickly. Like, honestly, like I think it's some kind of like sickness that we have, that we have to go so fast. And when we, when we went into lockdown um, earlier this year, it just felt like such a fucking relief. And now, like, I, I want to say, like, this is marked with a huge amount of privilege, but it felt like such a relief as somebody who's neuroatypical to um, not have to leave the house and to not have to, like, try <laughs> um, and do all of those things and instead accept my complete and absolute nature is which... I don't like leaving the house. I just don't. I could be happy for months here. I have been. <laughs> yeah. I have been happy for months here. And I do have interactions. I have Zoom, right? So I've been good. And my partner lives here. So that's a thing. But, you know, um, yeah, to have that that time where, and the whole world kind of came to a screeching halt. So it's like, oh, you're going to meet me on my level for once instead mm. of trying so hard to meet you on your level. Yeah. 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 And also the like neurotypicals kind of struggled, you know, during that time and you're like, Oh, oh, okay. Welcome to to struggling with the world. That's not (laughs) fulfilling your needs. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, And I I don't know any other adults on, on the spectrum. Uh, Well, that's not true. I do know some that are, but they're like, at a different level, not yeah. so high functioning. And so, you know, to have someone to ask a question and go, is this normal for you? Is this, you know, that sort of thing is kind of interesting. And yeah. And I, I find that for myself, I, I use both sides of my brain fairly evenly, which is not the norm of people that I know. Mm. And so I'm very math oriented and very creative. Mm. And most people I know are one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause science and data is amazing. Right. Like yeah. I'm like so wildly creative, but you should see me with a fucking spreadsheet. <laughs> I love spreadsheets. <laughs> Color coded spreadsheets dictate yeah. my life. I have, I, I love Google. So I have like pages, but 
spreadsheets and they're all color coded and they're it's it's our processing power right it's like okay we've got all of this like disparate information how are we going to consolidate that down and like make it into consumable content right like i get this now yeah yeah and breaking things down that way it's so true that's so true it's fun well oh. the way i worked it well so you know we'll wait and see for the official diagnosis yeah 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 but pretty fucking clear probably asperger's probably on the spectrum um the, the way I kind of like tweaked onto it was because a whole bunch of my closest friends all got diagnosed kind of like in the space of a year or two. And I was like, and every time they get diagnosed, I'm like, what the fuck? I don't, I don't get that. They're like the coolest people on the planet. Like what? But we're like exactly this. We're exactly the same. How come like all of my friends are all like, on the spectrum and I just think they're like the most incredible humans I've ever met and like never felt so at home and then I was like oh fuck it I'll just see what this is all about I'll be a good friend and I'll read a, a checklist to understand how I can understand them more and then like I like pulled up the checklist for like female yeah which is different than male yes so different and then I was like oh 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 my god, I thought it was just me and my kooky personality. Um, so I like it was just like I was almost in shock for days afterwards, just like I thought that was just I thought it was my personality, but like out of like the 70 odd things on the checklist, I'm like a strong 60. Um mm. And those are the things that I hold most dear to me that I thought were just how I was made up. You know what mm. I mean? I thought it was like my kooky personality and my childhood. And I'm like, isn't that fun? Isn't that unique? And I'm like, ah, I'm actually on a fucking checklist. What? <laughs> so true. It's so true. And for me, it was um, my partner's a, a teacher and she uh, teaches behavior kids. So that's her specialty is behavior kids. And we'd been together for years that, and she kept calling me Sheldon. And she's like, have you ever been? We're losing, losing you again. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't, but now I can hear you again. Yeah, okay. So she's like, have you ever been tested? And I, I was like, tested for, for what? right and she's like being a Sheldon Asperger's for being a Sheldon and I was like no what no like why would I? and then I started to read and then I was like oh yeah because I have <laughs> a lot on that check I forget what my numbers were but and then yeah I went to my uh, doctor and then my therapist actually administered the tests and stuff but yes it was like <laughs> yeah it's amazing I wanted to ask as a person who's been officially diagnosed, um, the only thing that I haven't, like that I don't meet the criteria for is that I don't, I, I very, very rarely would have a meltdown. And like, if I get overstimulated, I just, I stop talking, I shut down kind of thing. And like I lose the capacity to speak, but I don't necessarily have that, that meltdown aspect do you have that aspect and do you like do you think that's like super correlated with the asperger's i i think the um 
because I'm more of a, more likely to shut down as well. Mm. I have to say when I was younger, I would do more of a tantruming meltdown. Um, like even as a young adult. Yeah, right. But as I've gotten older, it's sort of changed into like, I'll just stop talking. I can't process anymore. I can't do anything like, and often just lock myself away because it's too much. It's too much. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Like for me, like I just stopped talking, can't function. And my husband's like, right. Okay. All right. I'll just, yeah, I get that. Leonie's lost the capacity to speak or to listen at this point. And then I go to bed and like sleep is like essential. So do like a, you know, especially like I can do 12 to 14 hours after a really big stimulus. And that seems to help reset. Yeah. Sleep, sleep is uh, yeah, sleep does work, but I need to be away from everybody. I just need, yeah, yeah just no more talking. Yeah, no, no, no noise, no, no talking, talk. no anything. And mm-hmm. uh, like, I'll spend hours in my office by myself because I just can't, right? Yeah, and yeah. Sometimes not even doing anything. I just yeah wait. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's be like alone time is like the greatest holiday of our lives. Yes. <laughs> Well, I want to be really respectful of your time. And I so appreciate you talking to me today and especially this extra little, you know, few questions I threw in there for you because I was curious. Oh, you <laughs> shut up. Like I would have kept talking anyway. You're a babe. This has been fun. <laughs> I'm so glad. Um, and I just want to say uh, thank you to our listeners and we'll see you next week and have an amazingly creative week. Thank you. Do you know about the courses and programs that we offer at Creative View? Meditation and journaling in our morning calm program. Step into your authentic self is a program to help you heal from past traumas and start believing in yourself so you can be your healthiest, happiest you. We even have a Healing with Creativity monthly membership where you get healing projects twice a month, plus so much more. Keep watch as we're always adding more classes and programs. Plus, we offer free challenges, access to summits and retreats as we love sharing. Click below to see what we have happening now.